Hello, Michael Greenberg is uh, with us on the uh, Rebecca's Dream Family Center podcast in DBSA, and we are deeply honored to have Michael with us today. Uh, Michael, uh, I would prefer to spend uh, one to two weeks speaking to you, uh, but we only have a limited amount of time, so we'll do the best we can. Uh, I would like to tell the uh, listening audience that your book is called Hurry Down, Sunshine. It is a memoir, and uh, you will be telling us more about that. But for now, I would like to uh, introduce you very briefly. You are a native New Yorker uh, and a columnist for the Times Literary Supplement out of London, I believe. Yes, that's correct. Okay, where your wide-ranging essays have been appearing since 2003. Uh, Michael writes fiction, criticism, travel pieces uh, that have been published in uh, various places such as O, The Oprah Magazine, Bomb, The Village Voice, and The Boston Review. Michael now lives in New York with his wife and his son. Michael, uh, would you please tell us uh, at this moment in time how your beautiful daughter Sally is doing, uh, how old she is today and where she is and how she's doing before we go back to the beginning and the genesis of Hurry Down Sunshine. Yes, well, thank you, Gail. It's really a pleasure to be talking with you. I, I, um, Sally, I'm happy to say, is doing extremely well right now. And she's just turned 28. And uh, so 14, 13 years have passed since her... Um, since her breakdown, since her, her, her initial presentation of mania that uh, Hurry Down Sunshine describes. And um, she had a rough time for a while. She, she, she has had periods of, uh, of rewarding remission, as, which, is, as, as you all know, uh, 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 happens with bipolar. But uh, the, the, uh, the sword of Damocles, the, the possibility of... Of, of going into psychosis, of, of being struck again, uh, is always there. And, uh, she has had four or five hospitalizations and, uh, breakdowns since 1996, since that initial one. Uh, she managed a, a marriage for three years, which, um, was, was a, really quite a wonderful accomplishment for both of them they were very young when they got married uh, he was still in college and um, we thought perhaps they were both too young irregardless of Sally's uh, uh, condition and um, that, Sally had a severe breakdown in 2007 and uh, her, her former husband really had trouble dealing with it and although we had tried to educate him about Sally's condition, he had never seen her in that state, and he he couldn't he he was frightened and and the marriage ended. But in a way, it was it was it was it was a good thing for Sally. The marriage had become rather stressful. <clears throat> she was hospitalized in a very wonderful place in Vermont that we were lucky enough to get a scholarship for and to be able to scrape enough money to pay the rest. It was called Spring Lake Ranch, a therapeutic work community in uh, in Vermont, in Cuttingsville, Vermont. And it was really a wonderful place for her. She stayed there for a year, went into complete remission, went to the halfway house that they had, 
uh, aftercare, as they call it, lived there, got a job, uh, uh, has become a yoga expert, has a whole world of friends, has now moved into her own apartment, has graduated from aftercare, and has been psychosis-free for almost two years. Mm-hmm. And um, shaky sometimes, um, but very much an expert of her illness, very much in control in a certain way, knows when it's coming on, uh, dreads another attack because of the interruption it requires and the and the and the long pull back from a from a breakdown. You know, as 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 we may have talked about, uh manic depression is 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 particularly diabolical because of its seductiveness. It seduces you in its early stages and who who among us can turn away from a feeling of omnipotence, of attractiveness, of charisma, of of, of brilliance. And of course then everything ensues and when one is kind of sucked into the siren song of mania and even depression sometimes comes with a kind of a seduction. Uh and um Yes. Uh, with with that, it's just a perfect segue. Could you? We're so happy to know that Sally is thriving and 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 doing well, and we wish her every every life blessing. Uh, that is a perfect segue to take us back to what you believe is the beginning of um, Hurry Down Sunshine and uh, Sally's. Uh, fall into what you have called in the book her crack-up. Yes, yes. And I use the word crack-up not in a, I just want to say very quickly that I use the word crack-up not in a derogatory way, not, uh, uh, but, but I use it because I believe in some way it expresses what really happens with a psychotic break, which is a kind of fragmentation, a cracking. And this was very much how Sally and the rest of us experienced um, those of us closest to her experience what happened. So Sally's crack up, yes. Um, <clears throat> first of all, for, uh, for, for those of us who are closest to her, uh, it was an astonishing event that not only changed the course of Sally's life, but changed the course of ours. And it, and it, and it came, what to us at the time seemed in a completely like a like a sudden wind coming up on the uh, on the sea when you're when you're you're maybe on a lake let's say in 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 your boat and uh the weather is beautiful and suddenly all that changes and a storm is swept and your boat is torn apart the little boat that sustains your family in this case and uh uh you know we were not uh initiates and adepts in the ways of manic depression Sally wasn't, we weren't. We were struck with this without knowing what it was. At first I thought, oh, these, these are the transformations of adolescence. You know, the classic uh, uh, um, symptoms, early symptoms of mania, not sleeping, uh, kind of an agitated um, extreme energy, a certain impatience. Um, a, a, a sense of certainty about everything, um, a brilliance. A, a a a linguistic facility, writing amazing poetry, a tremendous capacity for concentration, all these things that I thought were the flowering of Sally's kind of intelligence at first. And I was a little worried about her not sleeping and stuff, but I thought, well, okay, she's 15, she's a little peevish at me, but it's adolescence. And uh, it wasn't until Sally 
completely fragmented that I realized that something terrible and beyond my ability to comprehend had happened. And uh, What was your I, first indication, Michael, that Sally had truly fragmented? Well, she uh, uh, began to speak... Uh, almost incoherently, in a very pressured voice about a vision she had. And her vision was that we were all geniuses, and we were born geniuses, but it was drummed out of us in our lives. And she realized this now, that, the, that, that, that if she could convince and show the world that actually the great geniuses of history are merely people who managed to hang on to their native, born with brilliance, uh, uh, she could save the world. And she ran out onto Hudson Street, one of the main thoroughfares in Greenwich Village, near, near where we lived. We lived on Bank Street in Greenwich Village in Manhattan at the time. Tried to stop cars uh, to impart this vision. Was pulled to the sidewalk. Started grabbing passers-by. Speaking in a uh, kind of a, a, a really... Just a striking, I wasn't with her at that moment, uh, 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 a striking uh, sort of um, the need to communicate is at its highest and the ability to communicate is at its lowest uh, in a moment like this. And so language is kind of coming out like lava and uh, completely transformed, totally powerfully strong, as, as often happens with mania. And uh, the police brought her home. And uh, um, it was then that I saw what had happened. And uh, just we were in a state of uh, anguish and astonishment, felt that our daughter had gone away. And who was this person? How would we get her back? Um, Did you have and, a clue? Did you have any clue how to bring her back? What direction did you have any direction, anyone there to help you? At that moment, we did not. Mm. And and um, I kept waiting for some kind of spontaneous remission. I was hoping that perhaps she <clears throat> had taken a drug, a recreational drug, which normally would be alarming enough for a parent. But in this case, represented a possible solution, a temporary. But uh, her psychosis kept elevating and elevating higher and higher. Uh, she was speaking in a way that was completely unrecognizable to me. I could see that she was terrified, that underneath the certainty of mania, the, the, the impatience, the this must happen now, this must happen now, they're all, we, I must show the world, I must impart my vision, all the certainty of many behind it, I could see was this terror, this, 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 this terrible fear. <clears throat> she kept saying to me, we're very close, Sally and I, she kept saying to me, you're afraid, aren't you, Father? And I realized at that moment it struck me that what she was speaking about was her own fear, which she couldn't admit, because many doesn't allow you to admit that or it all crumbles. Mm -hmm. So she was transposing her terrible fear onto me. And uh, finally, with her stepmother, whom she also is very close to, Pat, um, thanks to Pat, who could be a little more objective than I, uh, I was I was deeply struck and 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 uh, by by what had happened and 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 perhaps unrealistic at first, looking for reasons that really weren't the reasons. And um, Pat uh, said we have to go to the emergency room where she was diagnosed within three minutes by a, a resident psychiatrist and um, admitted. Even then, I didn't want to admit 
that this was what had happened, that uh, how my, my first thought was, after the resident psychiatrist told me that she was very ill and that she thought it was manic depression, she'd find out more later when she was in the hospital, but that she needed to be hospitalized immediately. I um, rebelled against this idea. I thought, how can in 90 seconds, as they call it in the psychiatric profession, the 90-second diagnosis, how could she know this in 90 seconds about Sally? And, um, sorry, the, my, 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 I should have disabled my call waiting. Okay. okay. Um, how could she know this about Sally, this resident psychiatrist, in 90 seconds? I didn't realize at the time that a diagnosis of full-blown, florid mania was as, was as easy to make for a trained eye as bronchitis would be for our internists, for you and me. Mm-hmm. But eventually I had to sign her in because she was underage, and I had to admit to myself that I couldn't care for her, that she needed to be in this locked ward. And uh, it, was, it was very wrenching for all of us and very uh, dramatic. I, 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 I feel that just, you know, the, the, the onset of psychosis, the, the behavior, the response... It is a tremendous drama, really. It's a human yeah. drama of the highest order. And uh, this is what I wanted to really tell in my book, because I've, people who have gone through this, it's a very difficult story to tell. And a lot yeah. of people have gone through it and uh, but have not been able to tell it, especially from the shore of the parent, of the loved one, of the spouse, of the brother or sister. And, and um, so, yeah. Uh, you, you have written in your book, actually on page 86, Psychosis defies empathy. Few people who have not experienced it up close buy the idea of a behavioral disease. It has the ring of an excuse, a license for self-absorption on the most extreme scale. One more sentence. It suggests that one chooses madness and not the other way around. I found that a profound statement. Uh, with our own experience, no one believed that our daughter suffered with and lived with uh, bipolar and depression because her presentation to the world was so exquisite. Uh, these few sentences, to me, uh, Michael just summed it up. Who really understands? Who really gets it? Did you find that to be the case within your family system? I did. Family. I found it to be the case within my family system. I, I, I... I did not feel at any time that Sally, watching her and being close to her throughout the whole, uh, uh, throughout the whole crack up, I did not feel that she had the will to change this. I believed that she was struck by a disease and I could see it. But this is a terrible prejudice, a prejudice that perhaps I myself had before this, even, uh, that accompanies mental illness and, uh, um, it, 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 it really is, you know, the one thing we're brought up, even, in, even to call it behavioral, is kind of a problem. Because behavior is the one thing we are brought up to believe that we have some control over, that we can change it, that we can be disciplined. From the very earliest stages of our lives, our behavior is being adjusted by our parents, by our teachers. So there's a sense that behavior is the one area of life that we can control, our manners, all the small things and the larger things that come from that. So the idea that 
that one cannot have control over one's mood, one's behavior, one's presentation to the world uh, um, is is uh, uh, a very terrible prejudice that accompanies mental illness. Uh, in the case of of of, of Rebecca and and other people who, who who are able to present themselves as well while they're suffering deeply inside, I think it's even a greater problem. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, with Sally, her illness was quite apparent. Mm -hmm. And whenever she is struck, it is apparent. Her eyes become different. She becomes different. She 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 seems transformed. Uh, I think perhaps it's even in some ways more dangerous and more diabolical uh, uh, socially that is for, for people who are able to hide it I, I, yes that is absolutely true and, and for those who even in casual acquaintance with, with someone like uh, Sally and, and Rebecca I'm going to quote from your book again Michael I want everyone to read your book it is Absolutely, an incredible, an incredible story-telling piece that I actually at times forgot that you were telling the story of your own daughter and your own family. It just, oh my gosh, it just is incredible. Uh, you say here you didn't tell him about Sally. I hope. Are you referring to Sally's brother? Probably yes, I think so. Eric. Uh yeah. Yes. Yes. I didn't. I didn't tell Aaron, Sally's older brother, about about her illness. That's right. Until okay. I, I deferred telling him. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go on then and read this. You didn't tell him about Sally. I hope. Of course not. I wouldn't want him to know about her. It's not that I'm ashamed of what's happened, but he wouldn't understand. No one understands. We don't understand. He'd tell our friends. It would make life more difficult for her people would start thinking of her as weird, stained. There we are, that stigma. Yes, that, that, that was not Sally's brother, who, of course, was sympathetic immediately. and uh, mm -hmm. That was uh, a friend of ours. Who, okay. Who, yes, yes, that was... Thank that you was for a, that clarification. Right, right. Uh, and that was the person that I was afraid of telling. And um, I think, you know, I have to say... That it was Sally who taught me and taught all of us that the strain of hiding her illness caused a stress and caused a, a, a discomfort that was worse than actually telling it. And, and it's very difficult to strike up a friendship with somebody when you have this in your life and not to tell them that this is part of your life because it's such a defining and powerful part of your life. It, um, uh, when Sally, uh, uh, I was afraid of this. Yes, I was afraid of, of, of Sally being seen as a mental patient. Even if, even if it never happened to her again, I felt, oh, she'll always be seen as a mental patient no matter what she does, her, her enthusiasms, her fears, her, her, her normal mood swings will be seen as symptomatic by people. She'll be fingered as mad in that ancient way that turns that person into a pariah and that person into into a a a outside the realm of the social contract all those things i feared for sally and and even felt that we would be stained as a family because of course the family is always blamed 
the mother is blamed. There are terrible things. It's not as if it weren't hard enough to be dealing with an illness. As if you imagine if someone had, had terminal cancer and you went to the parents and said, it's your fault. This is, this is the equivalent. I mean, the, the, the amount of overload and stigma that is brought upon not only the mentally ill person, but the people closest to that person is really, in a way, very cruel and very unconscious. Um, I think that, you know, Sally taught us that you have to choose who you tell it to, but that the, 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 the effort of hiding can also be damaging. Uh, I'm quiet, Michael, because I, I am close to tears <laughs> listening, listening to, to your incredible uh, way of speaking the truth uh, about stigma that is alive and well. Uh, about those who maybe think they understand but really don't and what happens to the individual and to family and uh, within social settings and within the work setting. It, it really is, continues to be such a difficult, difficult pattern to break in, in the consciousness of, I would say, the, the world, the general population. How have you gone about helping to actually through this book, through your speaking engagements? Have you, have you noticed a little chink, a little crack in the, the major factor of stigmatization regarding those who are living with Sally's and Becky's issues? Yes, I, 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 you know, the wonderful thing about a book is that it is that it can it it, it 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 puts the reader in the position of the people who are telling the story and so it promotes a kind of a compassion and uh, when i've done readings and talks people who have read the book uh do come with a with a with a with a with a more open heart and, a, and an understanding but i think the greatest effect of the book uh and the one i'm most proud and pleased of is 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 pleased about is that it gave, it seems to have given a feeling of companionship to people who went through something exactly like this and who felt the terrible loneliness and solitude and inability to share it with others that I and Sally felt. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and and um, I think that was really my deepest intention with the book is to tell this in a way that people could recognize their own experience and feel that acknowledgement because there's a terrible loneliness when this happens. Yes. Uh, as, I, as, as I know, you're, you know, Gail, and, and you, you really feel alone with it, with your family. If you're lucky, sometimes the family itself can't communicate about it within itself. Right. And so um, this, is, this, is, this is one of the... Um, one of the factors and one of the one of the emotional casualties that that I really hoped I could just bring into the open. Oh, you have done so so beautifully, Michael. I, I'm going to quote from. I could quote every sentence from <laughs> your book. I would just like to read it on air. Uh, and it, you write here. Um, I can assure you that she is as shocked. She, meaning Sally 
is as shocked by what has happened to her as you are. I believe this is one of the doctors that was uh, speaking to you. We'll schedule a family meeting at some point. I have your number. I expect a call. How did that strike you? I can assure you that she is as shocked by what has happened to her as you are. Well, I actually found that to be, this was not the most sympathetic doctors it turned out. Some doctors, some psychiatrists, like everything else, are, 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 are much, have, have a greater capacity for feeling than others. Uh, uh, but I found that line from her to be actually comforting in a, in a certain way because to know it suggested the other Sally was still there. The one that I felt I had lost, the daughter that I felt had gone away, the 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 the, the daughter that I had in our pre-manic conversations, and the, the 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 beautiful, vibrant young girl, really fifteen, who with whom uh, uh, we shared a frame of reference, the same stories, who had learned to speak from me and her mother. That person was still there, shocked in some way by what had happened to her. Uh, uh, and that she did not choose this willfully. Exactly. not a willful intention. <laughs> yes, that's also, that was a very wise thing that doctor was saying at that moment, actually. Um, and although she might not have been aware of being shocked in a, in a conscious way, because her consciousness was completely overrun, in some way she had absorbed a tremendous shock and and uh, I appreciated the doctor saying that. Mm-hmm. How many times we, my husband and I, heard how we spoiled Rebecca? Just tell her to pull herself up by the bootstraps for heaven's sake. You you just spoil her. You do this for her and that for her, and she's got everything she et cetera et cetera et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. The 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 lack of understanding, the lack of empathy, as you point out, in so beautifully in Hurry Down Sunshine. Oh my gosh, Michael! <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so difficult. No, I I, I remember uh, that same doctor when when Sally was being discharged, and she was still she was she had been wrenched through a, a, a kind of a barrage of antipsychotic medication. She had been wrenched from the from the from the <clears throat> most physically manifest aspects of her mania, but she was still far from from uh, 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 out of mania. And very medicated, and we were very nervous about taking her home. We'd have to care for her constantly. Could we care for her? Would what would the future bring? We were all very nervous. Sally was nervous. And at the same time, I was very happy to have her home, to, to be bringing her home, and to have her out of the hospital. And the doctor said, in an aside to someone else in the room who was also in the uh, uh, an assistant or, or someone along that line, she the doctor said as an aside, "Yes, remember that patient." Uh, who who uh, uh, said to her parents when she was going home and and don't uh, uh, make me do all the things that you made me do before that made me this way and she mm. laughed and she looked at me as if to say I somehow had done this and this struck me like a fist in the belly mm-hmm. that the doctor would suggest that somehow. My parenting had caused this. Mm-hmm. Very painful to hear that. Yes. I'm and willing to painful. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was willing to, to blame myself uh, mm-hmm. if I could find a blame, but I really couldn't point to anything that had happened, any single thing, any trauma, any, any you know, uh, Sally's mother and I had divorced. We, were, we had been high school sweethearts. It was an amicable divorce. I couldn't really point to any one thing as much as I searched. So mm-hmm. I found this to be just this offhand, casual callousness mm-hmm. on the part of a psychiatrist who had a certain amount of power over us to be very painful. Yes, there's still so much to learn, and, and those who think they have the answers really don't. Michael, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you to please describe what something that you did that was very daring on your part, and we are not recommending this. Uh, neither you or I, you know where right. I'm going, <laughs> for anyone to do. But it was such an act of, I feel, desperation uh, to help your beloved Sally. And you know that I'm talking about your taking of Sally's medication. Uh, would you please tell us what you learned through that experience? And once again, I am adding neither Michael or I are advocating that this um, method of uh, getting to know your loved one from the inside out is, is okay. We're not advocating that. But no, no, we're not. That... We're not advocating that. And yeah. and uh, I'll, 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 I'll uh, in some ways, it was a foolish thing to do, but it was something I had to do at that moment. And and I'll I'll describe very quickly the run up to it because throughout Sally's illness, it, the uh, hurry down sunshine takes place over the over the period of a single summer. The, the summer of, 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 of 1996 when this happened. And it happened in the early summer, in very early July, July 4th weekend. And now we're in late August. And I'm constantly, tra- and Sally's home, been home for several weeks, but still not out of psychosis. And I'm constantly seeing glimmers of, of, of the Sally of old, and then they retreat. And I'm so frustrated with this so incapable of reaching her again and refinding the Sally that 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 uh, uh, had 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 existed before that I thought I'm going to come to her I'm going to just for a moment try to enter where she is at and I have to say as I'm sure many of your listeners have 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 experienced themselves is that the transformation from psychosis the medicated state is 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 almost as startling and profound and shocking as the transformation into psychosis in the first place is a second transformation occurs the medicated transformation and um, it's and and so I did it I took her medication it was ten in the morning and um, I immediately understood why so many people hate this medication, although I also understand, and, and, and I'm not anti-medication or anti-psychiatry, and I understand the necessity of it, uh, but it's a very imperfect therapy. You are removed from the business, the drama of your own life. It, is, it, it seems as if you're a bit player in the in the grand drama that is your own life. That somehow and you've missed your cue to step on stage on top of it. You are removed. It's a bit like taking a shower with your clothes on. 
somehow experience is not penetrating to you. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not affecting you. Somehow you're at a remove from it. And it's a very frustrating state. And, and I, I, uh, this feeling of indifference that, that is really the main, um, effect of antipsychotic medication. There hasn't been a great breakthrough in, 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 in antipsychotic medication since 1952 and the advent of Thorazine. The new medications are somehow, uh, designer, um, uh, improvements in some cases, in some cases not, but offshots of that. And, and, um, it's, it, it is a primitive treatment. Uh, it's a bit like chemotherapy for cancer. You sacrifice everything. And I understood why when, when people start to feel, uh, alive, that they throw their medication away so as to be inside their lives again. And, uh, I was profoundly affected by it and, and, and I really understood the kind of carelessness that had come over Sally as a result of this medication. And I, and I also understood that the effects of medication, which some people think are the symptoms of psychosis, are not. And all of us would act the way, uh, uh, the mentally ill act when they're heavily medicated if we were on those medications. Sometimes on the street, people think that that medicated state is actually the symptom of mental illness. So it's very interesting that. And uh, and then how? What did you do? You you went through this experience. How long did did the medication last in your body? Well, I would say all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and um, and then you took some action after. Those effects were off, I believe. You went to Sally's doctors. You yes, I began to talk with her about weaning her from the antipsychotic medication or about lowering the dose. I became very active about it. And the doctor that she was seeing was receptive to this. And she herself confessed that she, she was no fan of what she called the bombs, uh, uh, paradol. Uh, prolixin, thorazin, zyprexa. These are, these are, these are carpet bombings of the brain. And, and, uh, and we did work very carefully in, 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 in bringing Sally down to a dose that was manageable and that didn't remove her from her life so terribly. And, uh, of course, you know, the weight gain that happens, the slowing of metabolism, the, the, the slowness of response. Here is this quick, brilliant young girl who's, uh, suddenly dull, the dulling effect, um, as they call it. Um, and, and, um, yeah, yeah. Michael, what, what I'm going to ask may be an unfair question and feel free to say I can't answer that. But for for those listening who uh, themselves have experienced this dulling of, of their own lives or are watching their loved ones becoming shrouded uh, with, the, with the medications, not to stop the medications, of course, but what would you say how to be a more effective advocate for oneself, if possible, and for one's loved one? Um, within the medical profession, is is it possible to be uh, more proactive um, in treatment 
Absolutely, absolutely. But you have to you have to be with a pharmacologist. Look, the optimum situation is a pharmacologist, a psychiatrist, pharmacologist, and a therapist. This is not something that everyone has access to. But this, through studies, through personal experience of my own, and through many other people I've met, is the optimum treatment long term. And really some great results come from that. The, the pharmacologist has to be someone who is sympathetic, who is willing to work with you, who, who to whom you can describe your symptoms as they come or as they recede, so that if you're in a stronger position, you don't have to be taking these doses as a prophylactic, because just in case, because you don't need them at that moment. Uh, they're very quick-acting. So, you know, you, you can always go to a higher dose if you feel symptomatic for a little while and your pharmacologist will be sensitive to that, bring you up to that higher dose, bring you back down again a couple of weeks later, keep you out of a crisis. I think that this is something that can be handled, but you need a good pharmacologist who's willing to work with you, and that is just something that you have to find, and, and it's worth looking for, someone you're comfortable with who can do that. But they do exist. Mm-hmm. So that is a crucial and crucial, a I think, treatment, yes. treatment program. And something else that's crucial, Michael, I'm quoting once again. Um, I believe this is Robin, your uh, Sally's mom, mm-hmm. who is speaking these words. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. What she needs now is love, Michael, more than ever, the feeling that she is being cared for no matter what. You know this, of course. I'm not being critical of you. It's just what I feel from her in the strongest way. I'm very sensitive to her. I have to watch myself. She gets inside me. She always has. Being with her, I sometimes feel as if I'm going to break apart myself. Beautiful, tender, touching, from the heart words from Robin, Sally's Mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. Um, What struck me most of all is what she needs now is love along with our medications, along with being proactive, along with the talk therapy, wouldn't you say that's it? What she needs now is love. It's, it's, it's what she needs is love, and it, 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 it is crucial, I think, because the, the feeling that you're being held in some kind of a safe way by those who are closest to you, the feeling that, that, that your love for that person is inviolable, that it is not going to go away because of uh, the illness. This is a great fear, you know, and this is something that happens, is that families burn out. And uh, uh, I, think, I think that people often feel the fear that those closest to them are burning out. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's very important not to. And, and to stay with your loved one and to let that person know that there's an unconditional feeling that goes beyond the illness and the mood swings and the difficulties that that person is going through. And, uh, you know, there, a, a great uh, psychiatrist of the pre-pharmacological age, uh, Winnicott, used to talk about a holding environment, creating a holding environment. And I think a family has to create that. Uh, sometimes it's difficult and, it can, it, and sometimes it comes at great cost, but uh, it's always rewarding. And, How did you take care of yourself, Michael? You, you were so totally immersed, involved, proactive, right there, taking 
Sally's medication. I, I don't know if I, I told you this a little while ago. I, I really, I, you're exemplary. You are absolutely exemplary. How, how did you take care of yourself during this difficult, difficult period? Well, you know, not very well. I wasn't really thinking about that. Uh, uh, almost no sleep for months. Um, tremendous amount of exhaustion. But, but this was a transformative experience. I, you know, for me, for Pat, for Robin, for Aaron, Sally's brother, as well as for Sally. And I think our lives have changed. You know, it's very interesting. Sally's, and, and, and I could give an example of how much our lives have changed by, by this. Sally's brother works for UNICEF, uh, UN Protection of Children. He's a, he's a, he's, he's, he, he works in child protection. He now is in uh, Tbilisi, Georgia, in, 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 uh, uh, in charge of child protection program that UNICEF right. runs there. He's been in other places. He got into this profession, I think, because of Sally's fragility and seeing it. Pat, who was a choreographer, has become now... Uh, a therapist whose whose uh, uh, area of expertise is infant development. Oh my uh, goodness! Zero to three years old. Complete change of life, I think, influenced by Sally. Uh, okay. so it seems that I'm the only one who does what he always did, which is writing. <laughs> but um, but uh, you know, this was a very impacting and transformative experience for all of us. And so, uh, you know, you kind of. We went out of our lives. We went out of the normal rhythm of our lives, as one does in a crisis. But uh, um, of course, now uh, uh, I'm able. I know so much more about about mm-hmm. Sally's illness and about mental illness in general that uh, I'm able to uh, uh, deal with Sally's uh, mood swings um, in a much more educated and calm way. And um, but when it first strikes. You know that's not the way you deal with it, and and you you deal with it as life is thrown up at you, and that's the truth. Mm. Literally, mm. Michael, I'm I'm afraid we are coming up on our time. Uh, I'm going to quote again. I hope you don't mind. No, not at all. <laughs> I, I just find your book so compelling. This is the very last paragraph, the very last page of Hurry Down Sunshine. When I told her, meaning Sally, I was writing a book about the summer of her first crack-up, she said, I like the idea that you're thinking so much about me. Then, after pondering it for a while, she added, I want you to use my real name. What did that say to you in that moment, I want you to use my real name? Well, I was just so moved by that, and I thought, how brave, how brave of Sally not to want to hide this and and uh, to be willing to uh, be outed in a way in order to uh, uh, possibly be of some use and some helpfulness. And, you know, she... It's very interesting because while I was writing the book, we would talk, and uh, when we talked, I, sometimes she, she was living uh, in Vermont at that time, so we were couple hundred miles away from each other and um she she would i would say sally god i don't know if i can go on with this it's so revealing of the family and of you and i'm wondering is it too gauche and can i get it right and she would stop me and say no you have to write this book this is going to be an important book for people you have to 
to write this, Dad. And she would always encourage me to go on and on. And that was a very important thing because, after all, I was describing something, an experience, not only that belonged to me, but that belonged to her. And um, I could never have written the book without her, her, her blessing in this way and her trust. So it was very moving to me. Michael Greenberg, you are, as I have said, an exemplary human being, an exemplary father. Sally is so lucky to have you and Pat and Robin and Aaron and all of the wonderful people in her life, her tremendously loving support team. DBSA, Rebecca's Dream Family Center, cannot thank you enough for taking your time to be with us during this very, very important podcast. I cannot recommend enough to everyone, Hurry Down Sunshine by Michael Greenberg. With infinite gratitude, Michael, I hope to come in contact with you on a personal level uh, anytime soon and often. You're just remarkable, and I thank you so much for all thank of Thank you, Gail. Thank you, Gail. It's wonderful. Take very good care of yourself, Michael. And thank you for writing this book, and please tell Sally for a great big thank you for allowing all of us to share in her life and her story. Thank you so much, Kat. I will. Thank you, Michael.